Interleague fans, we're back for episode 101. Or should we start season two, episode one? Is it like 1.01 or is it like 1.1? Is it A? I don't know. I guess we're going to have to figure that out. I didn't really think about that. Mm. Either way, baseball is coming to an end. And it's sad but happy times. Good seasons. Good team still left. You know, this podcast, not a fan of the outcome, but, you know, we'll live to find another day. Spags, you think it feels like hockey season? I obviously know it's football season, but teach their own. Yeah, this is one of those things that we're, we're going to yeah. agree to disagree on. Yeah. Yeah. I still watch the I still watch the hockey game. Right. So I just can't get into it until later in the year. But I also don't get into baseball and it's hard to ramp up in baseball because it's, you know, it is, a, it is a very game. long season. Yeah. Uh, ba- baseball, that is. Baseball yeah. is a very long season. Hockey, not as long, but it does cover a pretty wide and, span in terms yeah, of time. It'll be over before you know it. And it'll just be yeah. fucking January and it's over. Yeah. It'll, yeah, it'll be like the all star break for hockey. So you'll yeah, catch you know, like the second half. Of the season that you the one thing really I'm not good at for. is basketball yet. Like I know the season started, but like I'm definitely not in a like a rotation to like, oh hey, is the basketball game on tonight? I have like you two you had YouTube TV, right? Yeah. So like you can you just like click on a team and it's like, Hey, do you want to be like in your favorites everything this team does? And you're mm-hmm. like, Yeah, that's easy. Um definitely do that. But I don't always like YouTube TV's is not always what I use to access my media too. Right. So there's a lot of content out there. Yeah, I mean Twitch, YouTube, it will be TV, Reddit, Instagram. Shout out Chris Man underscore duh. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, like like you said, whenever uh, I made the comment, what I think Pena hit the three run home run in Game Four. And I said, well, that's the end of the Yankee season. Dude, didn't I tell you that I was going to start putting money on Pena dingers, dude? You did. And then, and then you didn't. All right, then I guess I, yeah, I guess I nailed the, I had the confidence on that one. I picked it and I knew that it was right. So. And then you didn't bet it, did you? Yeah. What I should have said was Judge was going to start hitting some dingers. Yeah. I don't know what the deal was with that. Hey, sometimes hey. even Nolan Arenado guy, you know, getting paid thirty-five million dollars, you get accepted as a fan base, you know. Like, <clears> yeah, I. So I would, I would like to say, like, oh yeah, Judge choked in the playoffs, and he he did, he didn't perform, like he didn't put up solid numbers. Yeah. Um, they pitched to him though. They, I didn't watch the strike zone. They, like, were they, they did, like... they did. Okay. He he struck out a ton. You know, it's rough. Um. But the Yankees struck out a ton. They are a big swing and miss team. And they face the two best pitching staffs in all of baseball. So it's going to happen. I felt pretty unconfident, as you can vouch for, that they were going to beat Cleveland. I thought that they were going to lose to the Guardians. You know, because I thought the combination of Bieber. Definitely was scary. Yeah, and like Bieber. And really, it was the rain out that saved them. Like, if Jameson Tyon starts game five, the Yankees don't win that game, I'm firmly. 100. I, I 100% agree with that. Like, yeah. I even said, like, rigged when I was like, wait a second. I thought 
And Nestor Cortez wasn't the starter yesterday. Thank no, you, it was it was the rain out, and they started him on three days rest. Yeah. Francona could have done the same thing with Bieber. They opted to go with Aaron Savali, and that was the difference. Like Savali well, just Aaron sucks. yeah, he just struggled in the first, gave up the big bomb to Stanton, and that was that. Like Cortez settled in, and even then, like Cortez got hit a little bit. You know, like he didn't pitch deep. I think he only went like five innings, but none of the starters went deep. Like Cole wasn't really lights out. Like he didn't have the big game. He let up a home run in literally every start he had in the postseason. <clears throat> At least one. Some, sometimes it was multiple. It just wasn't, it wasn't a good showing. They were resilient. Um, I think that. Yankees I, walked more than any other team. Sorry. In baseball in 2022. Nice. Good yeah. Like, so they, they weren't as disciplined. I guess you could say like they probably swung at more pitches out of the strike zone, but I yeah. think that happens when you face a team that has, you know, Shane Bieber being last year's AL Cy Young winner. And then you face Houston that has Verlander, who's probably going to win the, the AL Cy Young and Framber Valdez, who's probably going to be top three in the AL Cy Young. So yes, those guys have swing and miss stuff. What a goal! Nope. Oh, what a goal! Nope. 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 Uh, I didn't know that audio was there. That's weird. <laughs> our soundboard, it's in. Um, but yeah, so <clears throat> I, I am happy with the outcome against Cleveland. I was surprised by it. I am not at all shocked by the outcome against the Astros. Um, yeah, no, that was. I I made the comment. Tough climb. I made the comment a handful of times that a healthy Yankees team this series looks different. Um, they traded for Frankie Montas. Montas made like one appearance out of the bullpen in the entire postseason. Andrew Benintendi was out all postseason. Um, DJ LeMahieu was out all postseason. And the team just looks different. Um, so I get it. Uh, Chad Green hurt. Michael King hurt. Zach Britton hurt. Aroldis Chapman wasn't very good. Neither was Britton, but also like dealt with injuries, dealt with like his leg infection from his tattoo. You know, so it's like if you look at it, like a team has oh, eight or nine bullpen arms. Don't get tattoos in the middle of the year. Just yeah, what like, what it was so 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 dumb. I like I'm I'm ready for the Aroldis Chapman era to be done in New York. I think it's definitely over now, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it it has to be if they bring him back. Oh my God! I I, don't, I will I'll lose my mind. I'm like I don't know what Cashman's doing anymore. I did see today that they're likely to retain Cashman and Boone. So. Yeah, but and and I don't know that I can fault them. Um, I don't know, I I don't know that I, like that Boone made any decisions that I was like, well that was stupid. Well that was dumb. I don't know why he went that route. Um, the no, only I mean, were, one, yeah, the only one I think is questionable. Here, Do what? So they won a lot of games this year. I mean, yeah, ninety nine wins. I mean, you grinded out five games against a good Cleveland team. Like, yep, we say what they want about their payroll, whatever. That's a good Cleveland team. Good yep. pitching, good hitting, good yep. manager, very young, good bullpen, yep. yeah, super young. Like nothing to lose. Like they, they don't know. strike like, hey, out just, ever. Yeah, this is the start to our careers. This is where we're already at. Like we're the ones facing the Yankees. The Yankees need to be worried about us winning this game. Yes, you know that all like, all of the pressure was on the Yankees in that series. One hundred percent. So. Um, 
Yeah. And that's what I was going to say. Like, I think the only decision that Boone made that was questionable to me was going to like sticking with Peralta for as long as he did and then going to Clark Schmidt versus going to Clay Holmes and them losing game three. Like that's the only like, aha, if they don't blow that game, which I also think if they're healthy, which all teams do with injuries, you could argue that, you know, Helsley not being, if Helsley was 100%, maybe he doesn't fall apart against the Phillies in game one. And that series is way different. I, I get that. You can ifs and buts it to death. So I understand. My silver lining is just simply that if King and Chad Green are healthy and Britain is healthy and effective and Chapman is healthy and effective, like they have been in the past when healthy, that that's basically you're upgrading half of your bullpen. Like you're literally taking the bottom half of your bullpen and you're replacing it with four of the best relievers in your organization. That makes everything so much easier. Like that changes the dynamic of all of these games. Now there isn't concern or pressure about, oh, well, we need to get six or seven innings out of a guy because we only have three guys in the bullpen that we trust. Now you're like, get us five and we're good. We'll throw five different pitchers every night for the rest of the series. You get a different look every night. Like that's what this team was set up to do. And they just couldn't stay healthy. Um, a lineup that had like Aaron Hicks starting games in the postseason, not good. Like the the big trade piece they went out and got was Benintendi and Montaz, and they got literally one inning of work from Frankie Montaz in the bullpen. That's it. That's all you got out of your big trade acquisitions. Like of like the initial work, they also traded for Bader, was giving up Montgomery, but. My dad, like Bader was like, maybe he'll play this year. Maybe he won't. Bader worked out great. Like Bader was a fucking stud in the postseason. <laughs> Killed it. He, if he does that all next year, amazing trade. Amazing trade. <laughs> I won't. I'm just going to do it most of the year. You know, I mean, guys are going to, you know, miss some games. Like, but I'm going to miss some games. So, yeah, he's a couple years. I mean, he's always been good defensively. Mm-hmm. And what now? The past two years, he's really started to kind of hit more, not in that like two twenty two thirty category, more in that like two forty two fifty category. Yeah, but uh, five bombs. The problem the I have with him is he doesn't. I don't think. Well, I think the Yankees will probably have him steal more bases. That might be interesting. Yeah, yeah I and he he was anytime anytime he got on base, he was running. Yeah, like I think there was uh, a couple hit and runs. There were like I think he stole a base or two. I think he got caught caught stealing once or twice. I think he got picked off once. So like he was he was being aggressive. Um but I I just view that trade was more of like that's for next year. You know, like that that trade. The payoff was that Harrison Bader is gonna start hundred and forty games in center field for the Yankees next year. Um so the big pieces this year, the trade deadline acquisitions that were supposed to go out and help the Yankees win a world series were Montas and Benintendi. Um, and that just didn't work out. Um, IKF was supposed to be like the sure handed defensive stud gold glove caliber shortstop. That wasn't the case. Um, Donaldson had a great game one and game two in the ALDS and then absolutely disappeared at the plate. Um, 
Matt Carpenter looked more like Matt Carpenter at the end of his career. Um, but again, facing the two best pitching staffs in the AL, and he hadn't played in a game since like early August. So him starting the postseason 0 for 9 with nine strikeouts didn't surprise me. Um, but I will say, I think like in probably, I'd be willing to bet like six of those at bats, it was like a full count or he saw six or more pitches. So they were, they were good at bats. He just didn't have the timely home runs, but he didn't, he got shut down by good pitching. The Yankees offense got shut down by good pitching. And in my opinion, good pitching is what wins world championships in baseball. Like, you're not going to slug your way to a World Series very often. Like, you're not going to outscore. Like, if your team averages six runs a game, you know, throughout the year, you're you're not always playing the best pitchers. Like, you're playing the best other team. You know, you're playing the best of the best. So you're, like, it's just not going to happen. It's the reason why I don't think the Dodgers are a huge threat. Um, it's the reason why I was absolutely baffled that San Diego beat the Mets. And I think that they did it on the back of two very strong starts from Darvish and Musgrove. Um, you know, so it it was, I, I felt like the Mets or the Padres were going to be very dangerous for that same reason. I talked about like the Phillies being a tough draw for any team, especially in a three-game series because you have to go through Wheeler and Nola and they're two of the better pitchers in the NL. And that was 100% why the Cardinals got beat. Like they, their offense was shut down in those two games. Like, yes, the bullpen imploding and giving up six runs in the ninth certainly didn't help, but they didn't, they didn't put up any runs off of either of the starters. I don't think, I think both starters pitched scoreless games. Yeah. Um, so it's just it's it's very tough to beat good pitching, um, and I think even more so in a seven-game series if you have three good starters. Uh, so like I said, like even if the Yankees had won Game Four, like they would have had to win games five, six, and seven, and it would have been against Verlander, Valdez, and Christian Javier again. So I was like, okay, like congratulations, you beat the Astros number four. You know, now now you got to beat their best two, and your best chance of doing that's probably Severino, who would have started Game Five, um, or maybe it would have been Tyon, because I think that's who started Game One, and I like that idea. Like, okay, let's throw Tyon, um, and the the Yankees matched them really. Um, it they were all close games, they were all competitive. They lost by two, one, five, and one. So, and the the five run game it got blown open late. I think it was like two to nothing in the seventh or eighth before they blew it open. Um, but it was just a couple Crawford box home runs for the Astros in game one. You know, so can't can't be mad about it. Yankees weren't at a hundred percent, and they lost to a better team. Like I, I think I said it what in May that I was like I just don't know how the Yankees are going to beat the Astros. Like I don't think they match up with them. So I need them to lose to a different team. And if Robbie Ray, you know, the if uh, the, the Mariners don't go to Robbie Ray in game one 
and they just stick with Paul Seawald, maybe he closes that game out and doesn't give up the bomb to, you know, Jordan Alvarez, and that series looks completely different. You know, like now, now you have the Mariners on with upper hand. You didn't burn Ray in a bullpen situation, and you know his confidence is still there. And you're just like, okay, like now, like we just stole home field advantage. Like now we just got to handle business when we go back to Seattle. And they played very tough against those two teams. Because um, what was it? The, like was game three, the 18 inning game? They played that pain. You hit the home run at the top of the 18th. I think that was Seattle. Uh, yeah, game three. Yeah, I think so. Because I know it was in, I know it was in Seattle. Oh, you're right. Yeah. And, oh, and Houston yeah, hasn't yeah. lost this postseason yet, so. Um. Yeah, so so like Seattle played them very competitively. Um, I I made note of how Seattle was striking them out because Seattle had pretty big strikeout numbers. Now, granted, they have multiple guys that are strikeout pitchers, and Logan Gilbert and Luis Castillo and Robbie Ray. So they have strikeout pitchers, and the Yankees really only have Cole. But the Astros were striking out on high fastballs, and Cole was able to strike them out on high fastballs. So that's why I like the Phillies' chances, because Nola and Wheeler can throw high fastballs. Like, they have some get-up on their pitches, um, so they can beat these guys with high fastballs. So if they do that, they can be successful. Um, And... Philly's lineup just mashes. Like, I, I think that they have a good chance of getting to anybody. Um, and it, it can just, and it, it's not so much that I think like the Phillies will put up like eight runs a game or anything like that. Uh, but it's just like reminiscent of like Cardinals lineups from like back in the early two thousands where it was like yeah. one of six guys could beat you. So it was very yeah. tough. You know, like the MV three years, you know, with like Roland Edmonds and pools, but like Molina <laughs> could pop one on you. Um, yeah. you know, like the Phillies it, owner said that he's he probably didn't pay Bryce Harper enough money. Did that? <laughs> I did. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and he, oh, he looked good. Brown noser, yeah, dude. But, Aren't you the billionaire in the situation? Dude? <laughs> be like, good job. You did your job. Yeah. But I what Harper's doing, I that's what they what they brought him in for. It took a little bit longer to get there, and they're only there because of the ex- the expanded postseason field, mm-hmm. which is baffling. You know, right. again, yeah. like this is how it works. Um, but it's it's just it's it's complete contrast, like night and day between the AL and NL, because in the AL you had you know, your expected matchup Houston and New York and the better team in Houston won and Houston won in deciding fashion because a sweep is a sweep. Like, you know, uh, what, I think they played each other 11 times and the Astros were 9-2 and two against the Yankees this year. Yeah. Um, and one of those games that the Yankees won, they were being no hit into the eighth inning. <laughs> <laughs> and, they came, and they came back and won. So... What was the score of that game? Um, the game that the Yankees just... won. Yeah. Uh it was it it was pretty low scoring. It was like three to two. Saying, wasn't it? Four. Oh, was it three to two? Like I that. thought it was just that. I thought it was just one nothing. It might have been something like that. Like it was pretty low scoring. Like it might have been a multi-run home run, but 
it, it I know it was nothing nothing at the time that the Yankees finally got a hit and scored but it was yeah. like a walk and a home run or something that like was the first hit that they had in like 22 innings or some shit uh it wasn't that long but it was like what nine like 15 innings something um so the Astros just have had their number and it's been that way for a while like the the Astros now I think they've gone to like seven straight ALCSs or six straight ALCSs um this is like their third time in that stretch being in the World Series they've knocked out the Yankees three times in that stretch from the playoffs um oh my god my dogs are barking I don't know Ooh. About why. Uh-oh. I'll grab your baseball bat. Is that what you keep? <laughs> no. Oh, see, you got the wireless mic set up, so you can... <laughs> yeah, I'm just letting, letting her out. Just, <clears throat> you know, doing <laughs> multitasking. Mm. Um, but yeah, like, it's just, it's... I don't know, like, it, it was... I don't know the term for it other than to say like the expected outcome. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like yeah, like I. Is it what I wanted? Say, no. Like major, like underdog in the scenario. Just honestly, just because like the you couldn't beat them in the regular season. You know, it's it was going to be hard pressed for me to believe that you were going to beat them in games. And they, it just does get harder. Pitching gets better. Hits get you know, less hits. But like every time the Yankees come to play the Houston Astros, it's going to be a playoff game. So when they take you nine and two throughout the regular season and they meet you in the series before the World Series, that's going to be hard. I was, well, um, well, they yeah. went nine and two, including the four in the postseason. Uh, so they took five yeah, out of seven in the regular season and then right, four yeah. and oh in the postseason. Yeah, so but, they only lost. Yeah, they only lost two games in the regular season and you guys yeah. played each other a decent amount of time. So like, yeah, it's not, it, it was it's, it was convincing enough for it to be a large sample size. And yeah. again, they were healthy. The Yankees weren't. The Yankees just had played, you know, the night before. They had no off days. So, like, no resting up. They got to get on that Cardinal schedule, dude. <laughs> yeah, like, it was, yeah, it was it was less than ideal. There well, are no, all these pieces I mean, in there the There was rainouts. You guys well, had, like, yeah, two rainouts. For sure. Well, yeah, yes. I, I get, But there were, I mean, there were no off days between, like, they played, um, you know, that, like, game five that night in New York and then had to be in Houston for, a day, like, a game less than 24 hours later. Yeah. Like the yeah, end of their the end of their game anymore. five was you know, it was less than twenty four hours before the first pitch of game one. You know, and so like where where I think that that's relevant and not to say that like oh poor poor Yankees or oh they were screwed over or man the the weather got them, you know, whatever. It's it's not excuses per se, but like you didn't get a chance to really like full on celebrate your win um like a lot of guys were saying that like there it was like pretty quick like they went out on the field they took pictures they sprayed some champagne in the locker room but typically it would have been like let's go out let's party because you have a couple days off you know like the astros they had clinched on saturday and i think game one was like wednesday so like the astros had three or four days off 
that they were able to like go out, party it up, celebrate, have that team camaraderie, get it out of their system, get over their hangovers, get back on the field and get back to work. And the Yankees didn't have that. Not saying that, again, that that to me isn't the reason why they lost. They lost because the Astros were the better team. Um, you know, it's just, it, it was a lot of things that were less than ideal for the Yankees. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, in the playoffs, that's just somehow, times how that matches up, especially when you match up with a team that hasn't lost a game in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. I just hope they lose the Phillies. I would very much like the Phillies to win. Um, I think it's a good story on the podcast. We have talked about how on paper, the Phillies have been a very good team for the last couple seasons. They could just never quite get over the hump or like a team would have a miraculous year out of somewhere and they would just miss the playoffs. So like the Phillies yeah. have perennially been like this six, seven seed in the NL for the last couple of years. And like they've just steadily yeah. made you know, additions and gotten better. So they could miss so they can make, make it in. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Do you think it turns the um, organization into a downworld spiral if they don't win one World Series game? Um, and, and Houston just takes it to them, you know? Because Houston, I mean, I get it that they got good pitching and everyone's got good hitting, but, I mean, Houston be knowing how to get it done. Like, they be – I would say the – I would have thought the Yankees could have probably beat the Phillies. Like, the the AL team, unless it was – and Atlanta got beat by them. I get it. But, like, I just didn't think they were going to really have a problem. And I didn't think Houston was going to have a really problem with Atlanta either. But, I, you know, so does it send their – in a, like a – like, oh, shit. Because, you know, it's hard to, like, get back, you know. It's, it, it nah, especially is. as a team that's not there that often and barely in the playoffs, you know, like it's it's a hump to get over in that in that next back spot, you know. You you know, especially you know, if guys start leaving, I don't know what their contracts are like. We know Bryce Harper's so, staying. We know a couple guys just got signed, like, right? So maybe they got another year or two left, but yeah. So so I think that that's a major part. I don't know what their contract situation looks like. Um, they got Dave Dombrowski as their GM, right? Uh, I think so. And like yeah, obviously yeah, yeah. Rob so, Thomas uh, or yeah. Rob Thompson, I forget Thomas Thompson. Yeah, he's new. Like he just took over like when they fired Girardi earlier this year. Um, and he's done a great job. I think yeah. with the expanded playoff field, it's easier to get there. And I think with the makeup that they have, you know, like they've done what they've done. And I feel like in the postseason, like they've still had some guys like underachieve, like Castellanos really hasn't done much. Um, it's really been like Harper, Hoskins, Real Muto, uh, Bohm's had some big hits, but like then they have some younger guys like Stott, Marsh, that these guys are still under probably their entry level contracts that are going to be around for a while. Yeah. Um, Nola, Wheeler, you know, Gibson kind of fell off the face of the earth. Um, he had good games, but man. When they weren't good games, they were bad. Yeah, because he's in Philly, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then like Eflin got hurt and moved to the bullpen. Um, they have uh Brad Hand who just recently came back. Um, they had who was it? They had another guy that was closing for him that got hurt. Um, Corey Knable. Uh, they have David Robertson there. They have Sir Anthony Dominguez. Like. They, they have some good bullpen guys. 
but I, I, I don't know what their youth situation looks like outside of that. I don't know how deep they are. So it's like, yeah, if you stay healthy, you could win 85 to 90 games and probably put you into that wild card. But they're, you know, a couple plays going the other direction to being out in the first round against the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. So it's difficult in that sense that I think no matter where you finish, the 12-team playoff field is probably going to be pretty fucking good. Um, Like, even, like, if you look at it, like, the Cleveland-Tampa Bay series, which was 3-6 in the AL, like, those were good games. You know, like, Cleveland won on walk-off home runs or go-ahead home runs in both of them. Uh, one was in, like, the 15th inning in Game 2. Um, I think the the less off days uh, played a part for some teams. Um, I think, like, especially, you know, trying to have some comebacks, uh, like, it made it a little bit more difficult. Um, I know, like, I think the Dodgers weren't 100%. I think they're dealing with, like, I think Walker Bueller might be hurt. Um, so that's obviously, like, a big arm that they were missing. So, so ultimately, with that being said, like everyone dealt with kind of their their bangs and bruises, and I I don't necessarily think that like if they don't win a game, it will be detrimental. Um, I think that this is kind of a testament to the depth of the NL East, and I think that this is going to continue to be a thing. Um, you know, they sent three teams this year. I think that could be a common place that they're sending three teams and it could be these same three teams because the Braves are all under contract to like 2086. <laughs> you know, like they signed like, True. you know, their kids, kids already. They're like, your, your family's just indebted to us. You're just forever a brave. Uh, when your contract's up, you know, we'll, we'll take your son. Um, and then, with uh what's his name uh who bought the mets cohen is that it is that his last name yeah um he's gonna spend whatever like yeah bring in whoever um and i i think it's easy to say like cause i think they finished tied with the braves and the mets were without jake Degrom for 70 percent of the season so if you add Jake DeGrom in that, the Mets clearly win the division, in my opinion, because DeGrom easily is the difference between at least one win. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. You know, he, having DeGrom all year is at least going to earn you an extra W. And then they mm-hmm. win the division. And so then that looks different. Because uh, <clears throat> that short series, you just don't really have a chance to bounce back. So when Scherzer got beat up, it was like, oh shit, like now, now we have to steal a game with our number three pitcher. And we were really hoping that we would just take it in two and call it a day. Like we weren't trying to bank on like Chris Bassett pitching and, you know, a winner take all game. And again, it's not that he didn't pitch well. Joe Musgrove just took him in his shiny ears and pitched a gem. Yeah. <clears throat> so. Years. 
yeah, but I, I think that like now teams have seen it and they know kind of what they're up against. It wouldn't surprise me if you start to see like, cause I thought about this being interesting anyway. It's like, if you have a situation with like, um, like the Mets, for example, like throw Bassett and game one. And then if you win, you're like, okay, cool. Like now we can come back with DeGrom or Scherzer in game two. And if we win that game, now we have a legitimate ace for game one. And then everyone else is pitching on normal rest. You know, if you only win one of those games, you're like, okay, like say you lose the game, like game one, Chris Bassett start. You're like, okay, now we're coming back with Scherzer and DeGrom and back-to-back must-win games, but we have the pitching advantage in each of these starts. You know, so we already have a leg up. Um, If they, you know, so then if you go, if you're like, all right, and if it goes to game three, like now we have our ace ready to go because we were going to use him. Uh, You know, for the, for game three, and if we didn't need him, he would be ready for game one. So it'd be like in the Cardinals aspect uh, where they went with Quintana and then Michaelis. If, if they would have won game one and Michaelis wins game two, well, you set yourself up that now Wayno could pitch game one of the NLCS. And who who wouldn't want that? You know, or, or sorry, the NLDS. You know, in yeah. a five-game series, like you're setting it up to where Wayno can pitch games one and five on regular rest, and it just seems ideal. So it's <clears throat> it'll just be interesting to see like what what sort of like I don't know like roster manipulation, roster game play type stuff comes out of this now that teams have kind of seen. Uh, the additional obstacles that exist because of this format. Yeah. Um, I am. What are you doing? Trying to see real quick the Phillies' current contracts. Um, so... Under here, I'll try to just go through a name like the recognizable names for guys that are under contract still for 2023. Um, Harper, Wheeler, Castellanos, Schwarber, Segura, Nola, Eflin, Hoskins, Ranger Suarez, Jose Alvarado, Sir Anthony Dominguez, um, Bohm. Uh, Brandon Marsh. Edmondo Sosa. Bryson Stott. Matt Veerling. So, pretty pretty decent amount. Um, what? Catcher, first, second, third base, shortstop. Um... And they have, I don't know if like Dalton Guthrie is who their starting shortstop is now. The Phillies? Yeah, I don't know. The Gene, oh no, Gene Segura's not their starting one. Phillies. Or who they have playing second if it is Segura playing shortstop. 
Let's see. Or I mean, I guess, I guess in reality, it could be Sosa. Oh yeah, I say Amanda Sosa um, was definitely playing for him in the playoffs a bunch. Yeah, and then like they have um, Bryce Stott. Start. What's the yeah, so start as well? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, you have a flex guys, you know. Yeah. So so first, second, third, short catcher all locked up. You have Harper in the outfield, Schwarber in the outfield, Cassianos in the outfield, uh, Marsh is an outfielder, Veerling's an outfielder. So they have five outfielders locked up. Um, you got Nola, you got Suarez, you got Wheeler. Um, they have Mark Apel, who hasn't really cracked into the league as much, but he's a former first-round pick. Um, still under contract, he's just now, like he's in pre-arb. Um, Alvarado, Dominguez, uh, Eflin. It's like they have a couple guys in the bullpen that are under contract already. I'm trying to see. Oh, they have Scott Kingery. Kind of forgot all about him. So, yeah, they. I would say they have... Not not as many household names that are young because a lot of those guys are like already thirty plus. So a lot of they they probably have as many recognizable names as the Braves do, but the Braves players are all like six years younger. Because I yeah. feel like all of the Braves are like between ages 20. of like twenty four and twenty seven. Yeah. <laughs> so and all of all of the Phillies are like thirty, like twenty nine to thirty three. Yeah. Hey, they like the you know a little bit more seasoned, a little bit more, right. little vet veteran. Yep. Um. Yeah. <clears throat> so so we'll see. I don't know. <clears throat> I again, if I had to bet, I would put my money on the Astros. If I were to bet with my heart, it would be putting money on the Phillies. I just don't want the Astros to get one. Well, let's see. Uh, but let's see what the lines at here. Let's see what we what we could bet on it. You know. But uh, one of our teams lost to the champion, so <laughs> I guess we'll yeah. have, one of us will be able to hang our hat on that. Um, both of our teams were eliminated by the pennant winners, so there's that yeah. silver lining. The Astros are definitely the favorite to win yeah. the whole thing. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. I feel like they would have been the favorite against anybody but the Dodgers. They're a good team. I I, I hate to say it, they're a really good team. They have been for a long time. Yes, their division's soft, but like the the Astros <laughs> they play outside of their division will too. So yeah, the the yeah. Astros are the Astros are like the the equivalent of what the Cardinals could be if the Cardinals could win a playoff series. Like, if the Cardinals had more success in the playoffs, you know, since, you know, 2019, uh, which granted they went to the NLCS in 2019, but they missed the playoffs the three years before that. So what, if we're saying six years in a row, 22, 21, 20, 19, 18, 17. So yeah, so if you go back to 2017, so for the Cardinals... They missed the playoffs in 17, missed the playoffs in 18, got knocked out 
and the NLCS in 2019, first round exit in 2020, first round exit in 2021, first round exit in 2022. So if the like the the difference between the Cardinals and Astros are they the Astros win in the postseason and the Cardinals don't, but they have a pretty soft division. They should be winning the division every year. So they should be perennial playoff teams. They just aren't winning playoff games. Trying to get Kelly to give me a Kool-Aid jam before she goes to bed. (laughs) Um, uh, (laughs) Anyway, she's doing that. Um, We should... uh... Something I think we should probably bet on because I just see this. It's, it's the player to hit the most home runs in the 2022 World Series. So they they have bets on player to hit the most home runs, player to record the most hits, and player to record the most total bases. And uh, Jordan Alvarez is the favorite in home runs and total bases, and Altuve is the favorite in hits. Really? Altuve has like two hits in the postseason. He's the favorite. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. By like 140 points too. What's uh, what's Jeremy Pena at for most home runs? Plus two thousand. <laughs> you want? Do you want to throw like fifty bucks on that? <laughs> Where's my location? I'll be in there, but. Yeah, 50 wins, a grand. Yeah. The, the one, so remember what I kind of learned in um, um, doing dingers was it's really hard to bet against Al, uh, Jordan Alvarez. You know, it's true. bet against him, he hits bombs. So it's true. We don't have to bet a guy on right now, but right. we have topics. If we wanted to, we could end the year with a, with a dinger bet, you know? Yeah. Yeah, well, we have till Friday. It's yeah, game Friday. one. Yeah. So I assume we probably have to have it in before then. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, yeah can, we could we also go. Uh, we could also go World Series exact order. So like Houston game one, Houston game two, Houston game three, Houston game four, mm-hmm. or Houston game one, game two, game three, Philly game four, Houston game five. You can like pick a different order, and all those are different odds for who's gotcha. going to win what game. Interesting. Yeah. Some some weird some weird bets. Yeah, some weird we bets. can we can discuss them. Maybe maybe we throw like. We find like a hundred dollars total that we can throw on some shit and have some yeah. fun with it, you know. Because like I, 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 I tell myself I'm not gonna watch, but I know I'm going to. So. Yeah, I mean I'll have it on, you know. Yeah. It's a uh, any sport that's like for a championship is typically right. pretty entertaining. Like you have two very good teams at what they do, um. So it should just be a good. Yeah, I just I have such disdain for Houston <laughs> that if they're beating the Phillies, it would be like watching the Yankees lose all over again, and I just don't know that I can handle it. So, yeah, and you don't want someone to go back to back. Oh, I guess they're not going to go back. Yeah, they won't go back to back. Um, but like next year, you know, uh, right? Okay. I feel like the Phillies have a way less chance of going back to back than the Astros. Sure. Um, and it also it just makes me mad, like when, like situations just come out like oh we're gonna let carlos correa walk he's a really good shortstop option we don't really know what we have behind him but we just don't know what we're gonna do and then (laughs) the kid that comes up fucking wins al alcs mvp dude like just get the fuck out of here like that shit 
doesn't happen for the Yankees. Like it just mm-hmm. doesn't. Um, like that's not well, the case. I like saw good, if, I saw a good like thing about that though. It was like you know the Astros put Jeremy Pena in that position all year long, and you know he was good all year long. Don't get me wrong. Like he, I don't think he struggled that much. But like the Yankees waited till the end to like bring up their kid shortstop. And I mean we've talked about it on this show too. Like at some point in time, like other teams are like letting their players play and they're finding success in mm-hmm. these things. So like you as an organization now need to take a look and be like baseball does this all the time we copy other teams so like when are you gonna start hey you know what i get it you're not hitting the best down there we got a little bit better we got same hitting program up here and like some per- more professional hitters i think if we get around these guys more often i get it a little bit quicker you know maybe in the clubhouse we, we draft you we think you're a good hitter we know you can hit it's just not happening down here maybe if you're right here with us we can get that to happen yeah, uh, as long you- as you play solid defense you you can buy some time you know just don't make mistakes while you're on the field. Yeah, and, and it's like, I just don't know. I don't know who the Yankees have fucking evaluating talent because they're clearly terrible at it. When you have situations like the Braves, they brought Michael Harris up directly from double-A. He played zero <laughs> games at the triple-A level, <laughs> and he was a stud. Like, he turned yeah. the Braves season around. Like, the Braves were losing and were way back. Like, there was at one point they were, like, 12 games behind the Mets. Yeah, like the Mets losing the division, the yeah, yeah. Like the the Mets winning the like the Mets losing the division was like borderline one of the biggest collapses in all of baseball, and it went completely unnoticed because because all anyone talked about was how close Tampa Bay and Toronto were getting to catching the Yankees because that would have been an even bigger collapse. But like it went completely unnoticed that like all of a sudden the Mets just didn't win the division, and cost them dearly. And, like, they lost the division in the final week when they got swept by Atlanta. Yeah, like, straight up had an opportunity to just play their way into winning the division and couldn't even take one game in that series. Like, just straight up got outplayed. Grubs. Yeah, so I'm like, why did anybody talk about that? Why is anyone, you know, why is all anyone's focus on is Judge hitting 62 home runs? And I think, like, that that was the other part of it. I think he was pressing so much down the stretch because like after he hit 60 he looked lost at the plate like he was struggling hard he hit very poorly he only hit the two more home runs but he was just real carefree up to that like no like everyone was talking about paul goldschmidt and the triple crown and here judge was was just like hitting dingers that's all he did just banging dudes and uh like then whenever the focus came on him like it he, he, he just like crumbled and I don't know that that's what it was, but it's what it seemed like. And I can tell you that he disappears quite often at the plate. You know, like he struck out a ton in the postseason, and it's unlike him, except that that's literally what he does in the postseason all the time. You know, it's like when we were talking about uh, fucking Arenado's struggles, and then we were like, oh, well, like. I guess we shouldn't be surprised because if we look at all of his other numbers in the postseason, he just kind of sucks in the <laughs> postseason. Like, that's just how it is. Like, yep. sorry, sorry for you. It, it just, you know, you're, you're, it's not good. You know, um, but like Judge currently, like, you know, so counting counting the games today, so he's played in 44 postseason games. I have the stats up in front of me. He's hitting 211. Um, OBP of like 310, which is which is terrible. 
Um, here, let me see if I can pull this up real quick to look at like his career, like regular season stuff. Okay, so he's hitting 211 in uh, in the postseason, as opposed to 284 in the regular season. His on-base percentage 310 in the postseason, 394 in the regular season. Um, slugging percentage 462 compared to 583 in the regular season. And so regular season 730 games. He's played in almost 200 postseason games, 198. So it's not like this is some small sample size. This is over the course of an entire season of games. Hitting 211, he has 13 home runs in those 198 games. Um, he, for his career, like regular season, he averages 49 home runs over 162 games. So power numbers way down. Um. 198 games, 198 games or 171 at bats, 66 strikeouts. So he's striking out in like a third of his plate appearances, roughly. You know, if you throw walks in there, it's like 100, sorry, 198 plate appearances. I don't know why I said 198 games. 44 games, 198 plate appearances. I looked at the wrong numbers, so sorry. So it's like a third of a season, a fourth of a season. So definitely not 162 games, but 198 plate appearances, not, it's not great numbers by any means. And he struck out in like a third of them. Um, he struck out at least once in all but one game this postseason. Um, and the series against Cleveland in five games, he struck out. 7, 10, 11 times in five games. Um, let's see. Uh, 2019, when they lost in six games to the Astros, he struck out 10 times in those six games. Uh, 2017, when they lost in seven games to the Astros, he struck out two, four, six, eight, ten, eleven times in those seven games. Um, in the series against Cleveland in 2017, in a five-game series, he struck out four, eight, twelve, sixteen times in a five-game series. So it's just like it's not. It's like this is new that you know him yeah. disappearing at the plate. In the postseason, like it's just what he's done. Um, but I, I don't, you know, the regular season numbers don't lie. Like he's a big part of the reason why they got there. Like he's going to help your team. Like Aaron Judge will make any team better. Not saying that they shouldn't re-sign him or anything like that, but he can't just do it himself. Like he's not going to be that guy that puts a team on his back and wins. Um, I don't know that that player exists in baseball anymore. You know, like I don't, I don't know that there that there's any any player in the game that that's gonna be the case. Yeah, no, well, um, yeah, I it's, didn't think of one player. Yeah, so obviously it's not Trout, <laughs> right? Or Otani. Yeah, you know, Otani. It's you know Freeman didn't do it in Atlanta last year. It was a team effort couldn't do it in LA this year, even with an all-star cast around him. Um, Soto has been terrible. Uh, and what you know, was terrible mm-hmm. in San Diego. 
Uh, Tatis isn't even playing there, you know, that, so it's not like he's the reason why they were there or went as far as they did. Um, so that's like for, for me, for the Yankees, like, I think their offseason game plan, it, it's like you go one of two routes, like either it's time to just fucking get back to the, like the George Steinbrenner Yankee era, and you're going to fix this problem by throwing money at it. And you're like, there's already reports that Rizzo's opting out, which I'm fine with. Like he was very mediocre. Um, yeah. His $16 million a year can go away. That's fine. Um, I'm fine with them letting set, like not picking up the option on Severino. So that's 15 million that you save. Um, you know, they, or I guess I don't think, I don't know that Severino made 15 million this year. Uh, he made 11. So you have Rizzo's 16 million going away. You have, Severino's 11 million. I think you got to fucking just DFA Aaron Hicks. Get him the fuck out of here. I don't care. Trade him if you can, whatever. Uh, but Chapman's gone. That's 18 million off the books. Um, where's Britain's contract on here? Britain's gone. That's $14 million off the books. Um, right there. So it's just, all right, like you got, um, and then I'm looking at like these retained salaries, like, uh, like they paid Joey Gallo was like 6.6 million. That's come off the books. They had, um, 3.8 million. That was like still owed like to Montgomery. That's going to, you know, it's come off the books. Obviously Bader isn't going to make that much in comparison. Um, I think it'll be, they'll save a little bit of money there. Uh, and Duhar's gone. That was 1.2 million. So it's like they have like a good, you know, a good chunk of change, 60 million or so, coming off the books. If half of that goes to Judge, like they still have 30 million that they can play around with. Um, and even after that, like you have Donaldson come off the books the following year. That's another 21 million. Um, I don't know when Hicks is actually a free agent. Let me see if I can find that real quick. Um, he is. Oh my God. He signed through 2025 with a club option for 2026. He needs to go away. Like the what? A, <laughs> what a terrible contract. My God damn. Who's that? Um, Aaron Hicks. Yeah. Uh, but then they like, and then they have other guys that obviously are going to cost a little bit more. Like you're probably going to see like Glaber Torres will make some more money. He's in arbitration still. IKF probably won't make that much, but he's still under contract. He's in arb three as well. Um, some other guys that are in arbitration, um, Lou Trevino, Nestor Cortez, Clay Holmes, Wandy, Wandy Peralta, uh, Domingo Herman, Jonathan, the Jose Trevino, Higashioka, Lutke, King, Montaz. Um, and then they have some of the young kids. So if Rizzo goes away, it's fine because you have LeMayhew that can just shift over and play first every day. And now you kind of clear up some of the log limits there. But if they can get Hicks and Donaldson off the books, and like, I, I think that that's the first thing that needs to happen. Like If they can find a way to trade away those two players... And I think that, like, in that, like, you probably, like, if you can trade, 
like maybe package together like Severino in that and see if another team wants to pick up the option and sign him for 15 million because he's not a terrible pitcher. Um, but Donaldson and Rizzo are third and fourth highest paid players projected in 2023 right now. Severino is sixth on that. And if you can get rid of Hicks, Hicks is seventh. So you would be getting rid of four of the top seven contracts that are on your books. Um, obviously you'd be adding back in judge, but I think if they can add judge and then bring in like Trey Turner and get like a high end catcher, like if, you know, we say the same thing for the Cardinals, um, like Turner and Contreras would be big solutions for the Cardinals. I think if the Yankees can be players for those same guys, then you're right where you're at. And I think if that's the route you're going to go and you're going to sign Turner, I don't know how old Trey Turner is. Let's look real quick. He is 29. He will be 30 in June of next year. So yep. if you sign him to like Trey a, Turner. Yeah, so if Come you to sign the Cardinals, baby, let's yeah. go. Yeah, it's so like if you sign them like a five or six year deal, and Cardinals in the same boat. Like, say you give him like yep. a six year deal, so he's thirty six. That's not astronomical, you know. It's maybe on the older side for a shortstop, but it gives you the flexibility to deal Mason Win, and then you can like, okay, we're gonna deal Win, and in that we're gonna include DeYoung, and we're gonna include like fucking Palante and we're going to include Hudson and we're going to try to get like, uh, you know, fucking Merrill Kelly, you know, or we're going to go after, you know, uh, fucking Sandy Alcantara. Like, all right, like, let's just, we're going to give up six guys to a franchise that they don't have depth. So we're going to give them a whole bunch of players that are team controlled for a while and we're going to get one superstar that they're not going to pay yet anyway. So, and then, you know, you give them some lottery tickets or whatever. Like, so for the Yankees, like if they go the same route, like you can deal one of Cabrera or Peraza. If you like Cabrera in the outfield, then hold on to like, hold on to Peraza, make him play third. You know, you have LeMahieu at first until Austin Wells is ready. You know, Cabrera can go out to left. You have Bader in center. You re-sign Judge and have him play right. You know, you bring in Contreras. You bring in Turner. You're you're good. Torres plays second. And then you, have, you still have Sweeney in the farm system. You still have Jones in the farm system. You still have Wells in the farm system. You still have Burrow in the farm system. Like, you're not, you're not killing it. And you didn't really have to give up anything because you've you know you solved your problem through free agency and then the big thing you need to do is just fix your goddamn pitching staff like like i i can't like i'm so mad that the yankees didn't sign wheeler or robbie ray <laughs> i'm so mad about it like and i get that robbie ray had his struggles and i talked a whole bunch of shit on him in the postseason this year because i just didn't understand why they used him in the way that they did um but he's two years removed from a Cy Young or, yeah. you know, whatever, I guess one year. Cause I think this is his first year in Seattle. So he, he won it now. Cause, uh, Bieber won it last year. So two years removed, he won it in Toronto. So this is his second year in Seattle. 
Um, but but he's a he's a good pitcher. Yeah, you know, there's no doubt no doubt about that. So it's like if you had Cole and then Ray and then Wheeler, and then if they dealt for fucking Luis Castillo instead of Frankie Montas, which made no sense to me why they didn't go after Castillo. Like if that was the rotation right now, like going into 2023, Cole, Castillo, Ray, Wheeler, I I would be very happy. I'd be very pleased with where they're at. But all right, this is a team that can win a championship. And I, I just don't get what the holdup was. It's like, for me, uh, it's just either like shit or get off the pot. Like either buy in or blow it up. Like if, if you are like, like if, if you're not one to add in free agency, then like, okay, bring judge back. So I, I re-signing judge. I don't really see as like adding through free agency. Like, big-name player. I think the fans want him to be here. I don't see any reason why not to bring him back. Yes, he didn't produce in the postseason, but it's fine. Yeah. You know, but... Yeah, he'll get there. Yeah. He'll get his. Yeah, it's it's fine. You know, like... Not uh, every player is, you know... It's There's different level player. Aaron Judge is a really good player. It's... He'll be judged on his postseason, don't get me wrong, but... Not every player in the history of good players has been a good postseason player. Yeah, if you if you ask me what more people, games to play, so. what if you were to ask most Yankees fans what they remember about the postseason drought that has happened since 2017, I imagine that like if if the question were to be Yankees fan, who has cost the Yankees the most in the postseason since 2017? I would be willing to bet money that 90% of people will say Aroldis Chapman. Aroldis Chapman was on the mound when they got eliminated in 2019. He was on the mound when they got eliminated in 2000, or 2017, 2019, 2020. He's on the mound for all of them. Cole yeah, cost them in 2021. Wasn't even on the roster. Yeah, and then this year he wasn't even on the roster. So you can mm-hmm. argue that Clark Schmidt should have never been in the one time the bullpen had a big letdown. And even then, I said it when they lost the game, the Yankees didn't deserve to win that game anyway. They were out hit by like, it was like 15 to 5. Yeah. Like they had no business being ahead in that game. Like they were dominated in all aspects except the scoreboard. I think that was it. Um, and then Cole hasn't been lights out in any postseason start. He's been good. He's been real bad. Like, he was real bad last year in the wildcard game. You know, as soon as he threw the change-up middle-middle to fucking Rafael Devers, I knew that game was over. <laughs> that was, like, top of the first or bottom of the first or whatever it was. Yeah. So it's just like, you. there's plenty of people to blame. Judge's biggest issue has been that he has come up in situations where he could make a difference in the game. Could have been the tying. Like, if he hit a home run, he could have tied it. Could have hit a home run, could have won the game. And it's nonsense to be like, every time he comes up, he should hit a home run. Like, that's not yeah. how this works. Um, but he wasn't... home runs this year, that would be it. <laughs> yeah, but he wasn't... He wasn't trying to... Uh, or not that he wasn't trying. He was trying. He just wasn't even... Like, he wasn't getting the job done. He wasn't getting on base. He was striking out a lot in those situations. 
Um, and I think that that's what like resonated with people. It was like, there wasn't even like the timely hits. He wasn't drawing walks. Like all of that went out the door and that's what he did so effectively all season. Um, cause what, like his on base percentage in the regular season this year, I think was a career high. Yeah, it was, uh, 425. Um, he had been over 400 one other time in his career and that was 2017, like his rookie season. Like, he hadn't been over 400 on an on-base percentage since then. Um, this is only, like, this is the second time he had walked over 100 times. Like, he, he only walked 75 times last year. Now, granted, he didn't play in as many games, but it was only the difference of, like, nine games. He played nine more games this year than he did last year, and he walked almost 40 times more. Um... Yes, he was intentionally walked more often, but that difference was like 17 times. Um, so I I can understand people being like, oh, he didn't get it done. But I, so for me, that's like the, the little note I made. It was either time to add or time to subtract. Like stop trying to nickel and dime this. Stop trying to find the the Josh Donaldson ICAF type deals because you took on all of Donaldson's contracts so you're paying a 37 year old 20 million dollars a year it's nonsense you know they have the shitty Stanton contract I don't know how long's left on that like 12 years still um yeah he's under contract through 2027 with a club option for 2028 so he's got five more years. And it, again, it's not that like his numbers have been terrible. He just isn't staying healthy. As he gets older, that's not going to get better. Yeah, like no one gets no one gets healthier as they get older in professional sports. So Brady, <clears throat> Brady, dude, Brady. Um, only divorce can bring Brady down. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what happens. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's just yeah, you don't listen to your wife, dude. That's what happens for sure. <laughs> you right. Yeah, so so I I feel like it's it's just time for one or the other. It's that simple. Um, I hope they add. I think that the answers are there. I think Turner and Contreras and adding starting pitching, which is it's really easy to be like, yeah, just sign all the best players that are available. Um, but I think they have the money to do it with the mites come off the books because I think they have a lot of shitty contracts that are coming off at the same time. I think that they can ex- they can afford to go a little higher than what they have. The Mets, for example, had like $50 million more in their payroll than the Yankees did. So like, that's certainly some wiggle room. Um, you know, I'm for the youth movement. I think that they have a lot of young promise in, uh, in the farm system, but I think you just need better athletes. Like I think they need more athletic players. I think they need guys that are going to take better at bats and the Yankees strike out way too fucking much. And yeah, they hit a bunch of home runs and it's awesome to see home runs, but you need productive outs. You know, like they weren't able to piecemeal together runs and that's why they only score like two or three runs if they don't hit three home runs in a game. You know, and like you're not, you can't win in the postseason that way because you're playing guys that you're, you're going to be lucky to get five or six hits off of in a game. You know, like you, they can't all be home runs. It's not Garrett Cole pitching. Like he's on your team. Only he gives up all of his hits as home runs. But we'll see. 
So we'll, we'll at least get to battle about that in off season. Cause I feel like our teams need the same shit. Um, yeah, but I'll just be disappointed. Let's get real. Yeah. So I think that it, but I at least think it is likely that the Cardinals go like the budget route to try to find some deals. Like I, I think that there's a stronger possibility that the Cardinals are willing to go after and add a guy like uh, a Jose Iglesias or like they'll be the, the team that like signs Swanson to a decent contract and the Yankees will like pay $40 million a year to fucking Carlos Correa. Yeah. I'm totally cool. If that's the way that ends up. Right. Yeah. Like, so I, so I think that the front office, as much as I, as much as I hate on them for not doing anything, I feel like it is very rare that they do dumb shit and the Yankees do dumb shit fairly often. It seems like. Yeah. Yeah, I was just listening to the, I think we talked about the ESPN radio brought up a good point, like the free agents that the Cardinals typically bring in over the last, you know, five to seven years have just kind of been meh, whereas like the the trade and sign has been a little bit more productive for them. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, it's not always the big player, but sometimes it's just not, it hasn't been the right player as of lately or we wait too long, or maybe we were never in on the guy. Like, they're definitely getting guys, but it feels like you're... It's hard to say, because, I mean, you're getting old Arenados, and you're getting fucking, you know, um, uh, Paul Goldschmidt. But, like, at the end of the day, like, there's some support pieces there that, like, cool, you went out and got home run guys. Like, no doubt about it probably first ballot hall of famers everyone can see that you know but like the support guys you bring in around so you know i'd be happy with a dancy swanson but i also think dancy swanson's gonna get paid you know yeah he's gonna like carlos correa they're gonna have there he's gonna have a market with two other really good shortstops and he's gonna go hey look last year i played every game yep you know in the past two years hey, i won world series one year you know <laughs> and i was in every game i was arguably one of the phenomenal. best hitters in baseball other yeah yeah <laughs> so. so like i deserve to be paid just as i'm only 29 years old you know i'm about and, to be 30 or whatever he is and i would like maybe. i would like to point out that i held on to him two years ago and i didn't make the playoffs and i dropped him super early this year and i won a championship so mm-hmm. in fantasy he's, he's your curse. bryce harper dude. he's, he's your bryce harper yeah <clears throat> So, yeah, I I would hope I'd be fine with the Dancy Swanson. I'd, I mean, obviously we're fine with Carlos Correa, but yeah, I agree. Like we're gonna be in the same boat, really, even in the catcher market. Right. You know, like there's no need for the Yankees not to be shopping a catcher. I, cool. Jose Trevino was good. Like sparking yeah. the sparking the hand. Oh, great. Like glad that worked out for you. Right. Yeah, then but there, it's not. You know? But like, if don't you've learned anything, like, yeah, don't think it's gonna happen again. You know, yeah, like look at Gary Sanchez. You just yeah, went through yeah, this. Gary. Although Gary went to Minnesota and hit like 20 home runs this year. Yeah, but still, uh, his numbers yeah, were not good. Yeah, like he he did he did fine, but that that was always the thing. It's like he did fine. Um, yeah, he hit 16 home runs, hit 205, uh, 61 RBIs. You know, it so it's fine. Uh, 2021 with the Yankees, he hit uh, 23 home runs, 54 RBIs, hit 204. So it was about the same, but it's just like, all right, like you're not, you're not doing shit. 
and again, he only played 130 games for Minnesota. He only played 117 for the Yankees. Um, it was just a far cry away from where he was, you know, in 2017 when he, you know, was like breaking into the league, like his first full season. Um, when he hit like 278, he hit 33 home runs, you know, and then even like in 2019, you know, he came back. I think he was hurt a bit in 2018 and 2019, but at least 2019, like he was an all-star hit 34 home runs. He hit 232 and it was like, cool. Awesome. Like hit 230, hit 30 bombs. We can live with that. You know, we'll, we'll DH you a whole bunch. It's fine. And then it was like, all right, well, Stanton can't stay healthy if he plays the field. So now we need Sanchez behind the plate. Oh, you're dog shit behind the plate. Like, well, that's great. Like you look like me back there catching. That's not going to work. So then I was like, they just had two guys that could only DH and then he hit 147 in the shortened year, and everybody's like, oh, well, it was because of the pandemic. It's different. And then he didn't do shit after that. So I was like, all right, deuces, you're gone. So I was for it. And that's why I was like, all right, I'm fine with them taking on Donaldson, you know, because it brought in IKF, who was supposed to be a defensive upgrade at shortstop, something that they greatly needed. Donaldson was fine defensively at third, could live with that, and they took on his contract. So I was like, all right, cool, fine. But the the next move needs to be there now. Like, you brought in Rizzo, and it was a two-year deal with the player option after year one. So it's like, all right, like, that's what they were looking at. It was like 2024 was their year. But you can see now what this team needs and what it's going to take to win a World Series again. Like, you have to have more than one ace. Not that Cortez isn't good. Not that Severino isn't good. But you need that other guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you you need a third. Like you need, too many teams are built like that. Yeah, you need three top tier pitchers, and it's it's really like the like you need three top tier pitchers or three top tier starters, and you need three top tier relievers. Like mm-hmm. that's that's the way it's got to go. You know, like that that is the staple. I bet that's like the makeup of every team that's won a World Series in like the last four years. Like that's been that's been the case. Like the makeup. I know who's starting game one, two, and three, and I know who's pitching inning seven, eight, and nine. Right. Like I need my starters to go six innings, and then because we have five starters all year in game four, we're gonna throw both of those guys, and one of them's gonna go three innings. The next guy's gonna go three innings. They're not gonna go through the lineup more than like one. In, like they're gonna go two times. That's it. <clears throat> if you get me three innings and you go less than twice through the lineup, awesome. You know, it like that. That's what I'm shooting for. Maybe I get, maybe you get four innings for me, and then the other guy comes in and he gets two innings, you know, or whatever. And then I'm gonna go to my big arms. If we're if we got the lead, maybe I'll go to like my off bullpen arms and try to save my guys for key situations when I need them. Or we're still tied, so I need a guy to eat some innings so I can hold on to my big guns. Like that's what those accent pieces are, and I feel like. The Yankees have those. I feel like the Cardinals have those. They just don't have the hammers at the top. You know, like they have, like, the, you know, Wayno dealt with his problems, whether they were, it was tired, dead arm or mechanical or whatever. But if, mean, he's, if he's right, he's arguably one of the best pitchers in the league still at 41 yeah. or not. So Yankees have Cole, Cardinals had Wayno. 
And then after that, it was like, uh, well, Michaelis could be a stud. Well, Cortez could be a stud. All right, Hudson could be a gem. All right, Severino could be a gem. <laughs> you know, like, oh, Montgomery could have a great outing. Oh, Montas could have had a great outing. Or what was, you know, uh, before Montgomery, like it was Pilate, and it was Montgomery for the Yankees. <laughs> so it was like just very similar makeup. Um, you know, and then in the bullpen, you know, kind of the same way. Like they have names out there. They just aren't those top tier. Like I don't I don't feel like the Cardinals have had that shut down guarantee closer. <laughs> no one knows who the Cardinals bullpen is unless you watch the Cardinals baseball. Yeah. And yeah. the the Yankees they had they have a lot of big name guys that just haven't Chapman produced. Still. If you're not a Yankees fan, you just think it's Chapman still. Oh yeah, Chapman's yeah. probably closing over there. But like, but most I would say like most baseball fans have probably heard the name like Zach Britton, you know, being a good closer for a long time. Like there was at one point that like the Yankees had Britton and Green and Chapman and Robertson, who like were all closers for another team at one point in time. So it's like they had like four guys that had been an everyday closer. Uh, or sorry, not green. Uh, Tommy Canely uh, was the other one. And it was like two lefties, two righties. And I was like, oh, this is a good mix. Like, this is really good. And then, the, the you know, the bullpen is what knocked him out of the playoffs, mainly Chapman. <clears throat> but yeah, so it's, it's just, it's, I, I think the writing's there. I think they should easily be, both teams should be able to look and say, like, all right, here's the makeup that we need to try to mimic how do we move our excess pieces and make this happen and i think for the yankees it's going to be taking some trying to deal some players and get some contracts off your books and use that money to fill things from free agency and i think for the cardinals it's going to be dealing their plethora of depth of above average talent to get some marquee players. And I, I, I'm curious to see if like the, the Cardinals exceeding projections so much on attendance. So like AKA their ticket sales revenue was like way higher than they expected. If it'll turn the Cardinals in like to be more primed for spending this off season. You know what I mean? Yeah, sorry, the baby monitor was going off. I oh. can't decide if Henry's waking up. All, it's like out of nowhere it was. <laughs> Fun. And now he's going to be in quiet, so I don't know if he's going to wake up or not. All good. Um, But yeah, so I think I think that kind of wraps up our, uh, our off-season game plans. I think our teams are going to do this, be looking at the same shit. I think they're just going to have different ways to go about it. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, and I think we're both cautiously optimistic that our teams will actually do nothing. <laughs> so, well, dude, I can. I mean, we say it all the time. We hear Mo now. Hey, we had a competitive team in yeah. 2022, you know, and that one it's inning. hard to play. It's hard to play 162 games. You know, it's 
you're going to go ups and downs. You're going to have injuries. You know, your Ali is the first year manager. I think he did a really good job in situations. Obviously, you'd like to see some defense played better at yeah. some key times. But like, I mean, we, we got a guy. We got a guy. From, I mean, we got a guy at first base. We got a guy at third base. You know, we got we got some young talent in this team. We really believe the Young's ready to come back next year, and like he showed us in you know Triple A that you know maybe he can hit the ball again. So. You know don't discount us here you know if we don't make any you know big big moves here you know we got a team that could at least make it to the playoffs you know and as long as we make it to the playoffs we can maybe get a run at it so. yeah 2022 that was always for the nostalgia like we that was for the fans <laughs> we wanted you along for the ride 2023 that's hey. for the ring yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah 12 and 23 baby 12 and 23 it's always been the game plan uh, yeah like, all right, dude. Fair enough. So, and then you'd be like, where's Gersh? Like, Who? <laughs> He's getting coffee. <laughs> <laughs> we call him Joe. <laughs> um, yeah, so so it'll be interesting. Obviously, the big news in Cardinal camp as of late is, you know, I, uh, I, we, we had talked about it a little bit last week. We didn't record. Um just due to you being on vacation, timing didn't really work out. Um, okay. But it was, but it's fine. I was not thrilled about where the games were anyway. <laughs> so I think it was like Monday night. Well, I think Monday night we were was supposed to be game five. So I had asked to like push the Tuesday, and then the game got rained out anyway. So we pushed the Tuesday. And are we? I'd ask Push Tuesday. You had something that you know with your your game updating and that content releasing that you had already made plans to play that night. I play like fourteen or fifteen hours. <laughs> yeah. Time. So and then you were on vacation. Like Ten a.m. to like one. <laughs> yeah. So it was just days. like, so we're like, all right, it's fine, whatever. You know, we there's really not anything new. We'll we'll wait to see what happens in the series anyway, and then you know, so now here we are. Um. But we had discussed it that, you know, the news came out that the Marlins had been approved to talk to Skip Schumacher uh, for their opening as their um, manager with Don Mattingly and Miami agreeing to part ways um, after this last season. And then it was announced today that Skip did get the job. So good on him. I know that he was kind of a candidate that was on your radar uh, when they were replacing Schilt here for the Cardinals. Um, so I know you've been a fan of him. I know you had had some, I, I don't want to say like good things to say about him, but like you were a fan of the way he managed games. Like if Marmol had got ejected or there's like a couple games, I think Marmol hey, was sick. We were, we were definitely paying attention, you know, because obviously, you know, the Cardinals, some surprise he got to leave anywhere, to be honest with you. Um, so kind of a, you would think kind of a big Don to Ali there that the Cardinals like, you know, let skip. Now, obviously it's probably gonna be hard to say, like you have this like tenured employee. They're like, you know, we don't really want you to better yourself by any means, but you know, good on him. And you know, I know this is kind of a good sign on Ali, at least at the front office, they didn't have any uh, philosophical differences <laughs> this first year. So, right. Uh, and it'd be interesting to see who the next uh, bench coaches. Yeah. <clears throat> so I had uh, tried to do some research just to see kind of like, historically where that position came from like if it was like an yeah. internal promotion type thing 
And I, I guess I didn't really pay attention that Skip was hired on for that job. Like this last year was also his first year as bench coach, but I feel like he's been a part of the organization and a coaching aspect for a minute. Like it wasn't. I think he's like one of those guys that like shows up to spring training, you know, helps out. But so it's not like he was working for another team. Like I know, I think he had like maybe a coaching position with like the Padres or something. A while back. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He definitely worked for the Padres. Um, <clears throat> but so I I was like, oh, I wonder what the manager situation is in Memphis if they're putting high value on analytics and it would be, you know, kind of like a continuation of. I mean, well, the last two managers have come from that squad, you know? Right, because isn't that where like Marmol was before? Yep. Yeah, he was Schilt's replacement. Right, and then Schilt was that's who was in Memphis to replace <laughs> Matheny. So I was yep. like, oh, it'd be interesting. Like, and so that's why I looked up. I don't know if you looked at the the um, the agenda. Oh, so right. I I put on there like this uh, Ben Johnson guy um, is the current manager of the Redbirds, and he's been there since 2019 as like the um. <clears throat> the manager, I God, I don't know why I can't think of the word. Um, so I guess like whenever Marmol, I think came up to coach at like the big league club. I guess like under Schilt at some point, or whatever. Oh yeah, that like year of yeah, like, but they, yeah, but they're yeah. like both there, um, or whatever. Learning how to do the on the job training, on the job training. <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> Or something along those lines. And I don't know if he was exactly like the the head coach or like the, the manager since he's 2019. Yeah, if he was just part of the coaching staff. But he's been with the Redbirds since 2019. So it's like, okay, well, a lot of the youth that's come up then in the last couple of years, like he has directly worked with, you know, like Donovan, uh, Gorman now, uh, Walker there currently, when, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll be in that aspect so it's like um you know yep is being up here um edmund being up here uh doing work with the young down there newt. like trying to to turn around newt bar uh connor capel you know who's <laughs> gone now but was there um alec burleson like all so all these guys that are like have recently come up they have all played under this guy and the guys that are in Memphis right now tearing it up, Libertor, Thompson, you know, that they've been back and forth, like that rep like that relationship, like that repertoire is already there. Um, or rapport, not repertoire. <laughs> um so, so I just think it would be interesting to see if like that's the route they go. <clears throat> or if they like bring in somebody that maybe if like they want like the bench coach to be more of like uh like a, a grizzled veteran type guy that's maybe just like a a different perspective of baseball um or if they want to bring in like a different young guy that's maybe like hey get your feet wet because if we don't see better results you know outside of making it past wild card weekend from our mall, he's not going to have a job in two years. So we're going to bring in your potential replacement right now 
because we like the direction the organization's going, we just need W's. So I thought it would be interesting to see like where where they end up going with that. I don't know much about like who makes up the the rest of the coaching staff. I feel like the base coaches are old for the Cardinals. <laughs> so those guys I, are just her. Besides Ron Johnson, base coaches are just who knows. Yeah, it's like I don't think that they're. Um, I guess we can. I can look it up real quick. I'm sure that there's an easy, you know, way to look up like the Cardinals coaching staff. No, super hard. Internet's hard to use. Yeah. I just, you know, I just struggle. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So like maybe like they promote like stubby clap. You see that Um, Willie McGee is also like the assistant coach currently. So maybe he just becomes the bench coach. Willie, fan uh, favorite. Yeah, so that's what I was like. So maybe something like that. But I know that I, so I want to say I think Stubby Clap has some some managerial experience somewhere, like coaching a little bit. Um, yeah. Uh, he was the hitting coach for the Astros, like in 2000, or like in their farm system, and like late 2000s into 2010, and then he managed the Astros single A team in 2011, 2012. Uh, yeah, 2016, he was named manager of the Memphis Redbirds. Um, 2018 managed Memphis to the PCL title, and then yeah, 2019 he was promoted to first base coach for the Cardinals. So I would think that maybe something like that could be it, because like he's managed um with Memphis in the past, so he has some manager experience. Like maybe Clatt will just be the new bench coach. And they'll promote someone else, or maybe he'll be like, I don't know if you can be the bench coach and the first base coach. I don't know how all that works. But yeah, I doubt it because, like, I think the bench coach pretty much sitting next to the right. coach and the whole time, talking yeah, about talk, moves, talking about stuff, who's yeah. doing what, what, what do you see? You know, one guy's probably looking at the pitcher, the other one's looking at something. So, but hey, you know, you never know. Yeah. So, uh, so I think that that would probably be it. <clears throat> So I, that that would be my assumption if they go internal would either be Clap or Ben Johnson, who's the current manager of the Memphis Redbirds. It's also possible that Clap becomes bench coach, Johnson gets moved to first base coach, and they just find a new manager for Memphis. You know, like I'm I'm sure, yeah, you know, like Matheny probably needs a job or something. So, mm-hmm. um, Matheny's in Kansas City forever. <clears throat> Didn't I thought they fired him? Did they? I thought I. Uh, really? I think I saw that. Maybe, maybe Mike not. Maybe they didn't. Yeah. Yep. About three weeks ago, Royals fire Mike Matheny. <laughs> wow. Yeah. October fifth. 
Yeah, and their what? pitching coach, Cal Aldrin. Both fired. Do something. Wow, dude. All right, dude. Yeah. Well, there you go. New coach of the Memphis Redbirds. Even less, play, even less people go to the games next year. Wow. Yeah. Wow, dude. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so where are we at time wise? One thirty. I got like one more thing. <clears throat> um, so the other thing that I wanted to bring up because I think it is a great idea. I didn't even know this was something in the works, but I saw it like just in happenstance as I was browsing the internets today, um, looking at different stuff and pulling together our agenda that I started to work on yesterday, and then when we decided to push to today, finished up, that uh, this is where it was going to be. <clears throat> so, we knew that they were testing out, like, automated, like, full-on robot umpires, right? Yeah. Well, in the Arizona Fall League this year, there was one stadium that they had... Um, rules in place for challenges for balls and strikes. So pitch happens, umpire makes the call, and then the batter on the offensive team or the pitcher or catcher from the defensive team can challenge said striker ball call. Teams get three a game. And if they're right, they retain that challenge. So if you're, you can be wrong three times a game. Um, you can be right as many times as you want. <clears throat> so they, like in the article I was reading, they had um, like a video clip of a time that Jason Dominguez, like, like the clip like went viral because he challenged the call. It was like a 3-1 pitch that was borderline low. It was called a strike. He challenged it. And when they challenge it, on the video board, there's basically like pitch tracks comes up and shows where the pitch was located. And that's what they go off of. Was it a ball? Was it a strike? What does pitch track say? Um, so my concern, they were like, oh, there's like four to five challenges a game typically and uh the teams are only right like 33 percent of the time so more often than not the umpires were right which is great but there are essentially like there's a 33 percent increase in correct calls you could say i guess is one way to look at it like when they challenge it 33 percent of the time they they we're like, hey, you got that wrong, and now you got it right. Good job. So yeah. better better calls. But so my concern, I was like, oh, well, how long does this take? Because replay reviews right now are sometimes god-awful. So I straight up timed it. So from the time that the pitcher threw the ball, which is, you know, it's like one second to the plate. So the umpire made his, his strike call. Dominguez like, oh, bad call. Taps his helmet to signify that he wants to challenge it. The replay happens, and it's like 
20 seconds from the point that the umpire makes his call before Dominguez has taken off his, like took off his little ankle brace, put his bat down and started to jog to first because it was ball four. So it's like 20 seconds. I was like, dude, like if this doesn't get instituted in the major leagues by 2024, MLB is doing something so fucking wrong. Power like, will be all over it. Yeah, like it's it seems so easy, so smooth. Like it doesn't come from the coaches. Like it's it's not the dugout. It's just the batter is the only person that can challenge it. It's just the catcher or the pitcher. Like coaches can't do shit. They have nothing to do with this. Just in the moment, what those guys want to go with, and you get three a game. Use them as you will. But if it adds one minute from both teams, you know, maybe it adds three minutes to a game to get calls right for it. And you don't remove the human element. Like, the umpires are still there. The umpire is still making a call. It's still time to use your challenge or not. It's spur of the moment. Like, you, you, they don't even get to look at a replay. Like, coaches, they, like, are we going to challenge it? Does he look safe? Let's look at the replay. And then decide if we want to challenge it or not, which I think is fucking dumb. I think you should just have to make the call. Do you think he was safe? Is your player telling you that he was safe? Well, challenge it. But I also think that you should just be able to challenge literally everything. <laughs> if the umpire made a judgment on it, you should be able to tell the umpire he was wrong. It shouldn't matter if it's fair or foul before or after the bag. Like, they called it fair. I think it was foul, so I want you to replay it. I want you to look at the review. Shouldn't matter if it's in the infield or the outfield on whether or not I get to tell you to take a look at it. Dumb. So they need to correct that shit and they need to bring this automated balls and strikes challenge into the MLB. And the players, super positive reviews over it. That it was really easy. They understood what needed to happen. It wasn't time consuming. Um, And again, like sometimes they got it wrong and that's what it was. Um, uh, dugouts were getting engaged. Like when, when players were right, players were talking about how they were being razzed when they like challenged it and they were wrong. Mm. You know? Yeah. So I'm like, dude, like, yeah, bring, bring it into it. But it was really easy. Like 20 seconds. That, that was way better than I anticipated. Like I expect, I was like, oh man, like, oh, they gotta be like, yeah. Can you check the replay? Okay. Yeah. It was a ball. Yeah all right, let me announce it to the crowd that it was a ball. But no, like they just put it up on the video board, like pitch tracks, basically. You're, the same thing they do after every pitch if you're watching the game on TV. <laughs> like, here, here you go. Nope, this says it's a fucking strike. It's a strike. Shut up. <laughs> get, get fucking back in the box. Let's go. <clears throat> Sounds like, man, like what a great idea. Like I was all for it. Yeah, no, I like that. Yeah, I'm all for definitely getting the call right. You know, and I think you can eliminate time through other things, and this is very minimal. Although I do think it won't just be the pitcher or the catcher. They'll constantly look over at the coach and bench coach, and yes. they'll, they'll yeah. figure out a, a process in which <laughs> – right, like. Especially like the same players. way they say if to pitch like out Renato or someone, maybe he gets his own call. Maybe, but yeah. Know. So the, so the difference is, is that I imagine 
that with the pitch clock being there, the time to react and like not being able to step out as the hitter and see like, what do, what do I need to do? Like, oh, okay. Um, and then the same with like the pitcher, like, I don't know. I don't know how long they have. It didn't say like what the time frame was that they could challenge it. Like if it needs to happen right away, like I make my call, you need to challenge before the ball's back to the pitcher. You know, or something along those lines. Like, I don't, I don't know. So, I like, there were some aspects that, like, they didn't necessarily cover. But see, the one example of seeing it in action, it seemed like it was a, a very positive thing in the grand scheme of things. <clears throat> and it was utilized at a high level of minor league games with it being the Arizona Fall League versus, you know, where some of these things they tested out, it was like, we're going to use bigger bases, but we're going to use it at single A. And it's like, all right, well, it's not that there aren't good baseball players there, but they're not one, they're not like major league ready caliber players. So if they're a step slower, we don't know what the increase is going to be like. If you think about like how many times there have been bang, bang plays at first for like throwing a guy out or bang bang plays sliding in the second on a stolen base all of those that were just barely out are now safe so all the bang bang plays that went to the defense those will now go to the offense and so it's like all right like if you're going to increase the offense you're going to games are going to take longer because there's going to be more batters, which means there's going to be more pitches. So you're now, you're now not, you're not doing anything to increase, like to shorten the time of a game. Um, but I do think it is important to note that it's not about length of game. It's about pace of play. Um, so I don't think people will have, I don't think people will be as annoyed if they go to a three and a half hour, four hour game. If it's like seven to five final versus it being like one to nothing, two to one. And the game went 14 innings. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think if there's mm. offense, they're going to be a little more forgiving. They'll stay engaged in the game. Like if it's back and forth kind of thing. I guess the fear would be that there's like more blowouts and then player like then fans aren't engaged. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um but I think that's all that I have uh fancy wise for football. I know we talked a little bit, but everything's still going good. You're still in the guillotine league. Yep. Oh, yep, still in that, going strong. Had a good week. I had one player put up 40 points last week. That was good for like half my points for the week, so that was Surprise good. Surprise old Stephen Kwan. Yeah, yeah, for sure, <laughs> for sure. Uh, you know, big money league. We're 5-1. and one. We're in second place. But only his first place is 6-0. and oh. uh, And I would be 6-0, and oh, but the I'm playing like a 
last place team for week one and literally like all their running backs are trash but all their running backs week one went off for like 30 points a piece it was like some miraculous thing it's and it's never happened it hasn't happened i got literally the best week those players are going to get all year out of that so can't be mad at five and one though so it's all right so you started zero and one and now you're five and one yeah 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 um when do you i only lost week one by like a points like a couple points when do you play the guy that's in first this week Ooh. yeah so like starting yeah, it's better than Thursday. last week though. although i would have beat him last week anyway yeah do you guys have anyone going in the thursday game oh i don't know who i don't know who's playing thursday night i don't think i got it thursday night either but um he's got yo know, he's got a receiver do you do you like it when they like do you think it's beneficial when they have guys go early yeah 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 okay i uh on that way on that way in fantasy for sure early games typically suck oh and he's down travis kelsey this week because the oh yes yeah 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 so but last week both of our quarterbacks were on by so we catch each other in a pretty decent week but you know Josh Allen, they're playing the Packers this week, and uh, the Packers are in disarray right now. So nice. it's a good time. Good time to play the Packers. Yeah, hopefully Bills take it to them. Yum, yum, yum. What's the game plan? Um, well, Josh I... was football. The Bills was football last week was depressing. So <laughs> um, but hey, you got the W's and fancy, though, so they're still ahead. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I was literally like, oh, well, I mean, I had, what, five or six players on by, so. Yeah, that's I was like, you know, if, if well, you got to lose a week, that's kind of how I always feel. You know? That's because you have like five or six guys for the Bills. No, that's not true. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I have a couple way. of them. True, I do have a couple of them, but like my, I only really start. Gosh, really? That's the only one. I would have had more, but like I grabbed some like lower end guys just to have them pretty much because all the guy literally that's why i'm kind of worried about like josh going like really early in first round just because even this year where i was going to draft guys a little early people were drafting them earlier than i was going to draft them I'm like yeah. are you guys bills fans now all of a sudden so it's, it's like, like, the bills cardinals. It's like the cardinals in our, in our I kind of, like, all these motherfuckers are like there's a they're all over the place like the uh the commissioner's a Packers fan. We got a Cowboys fan. We got some Fairweather fans everywhere. They all used to be Rams fans, but oh well, Kyle's always been a Packers fan. His family's from Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin. Askash, I think, is where they're from. Uh, but yeah, nice. yeah. Growing up, when we go to his parents' house, you go to their basement. It was like a Brett Favre shrine. His dad was like a professional painter and uh, painted like the whole basement, you know, green and yellow. They had cheese heads everywhere. Pictures of fucking Brett Favre. Uh, it was kind of disgusting. I like to imagine. I like to imagine that it's still the same way, but like it just is. in like one and <laughs> like one little corner, there's just like this little Viking figurine, and it's like they. <laughs> Don't, like they want to show love to Brett still, but like at the same time they don't want they don't want to get their purple and their green. So it's not even like Viking colors. It's just like a Viking figurine, like straight up like Norse mythology, like just Viking figurine. That's just like strictly for Brett's time there. <laughs> so, so yeah, I guess you know we got some more Bills Mafia members, but it's okay. Nice. Well, that's well, for me. Um finally get to get to a hockey game tomorrow tomorrow night um yeah me and 
me and Stour going, you know, first place and no. second place. I'm, hey, I'm there you go. Game. There you go. Um, and then I have tickets to the game on Halloween. Ooh. Um, that Katie and I are going to. Dressing up. Halloween <laughs> game. Yeah, I'm kind of go as a Blues fan. Or the loser, you better charge it up that game. <laughs> nope. Yep. Um, and then we have our game in November. What day is our game again? Um, what is it? Uh, tenth, maybe. Maybe it's the eleventh. Yeah, DJ was asking me to go watch him throw hands, and he's fighting on the eleventh. And I'm like, you know, uh, that day sounds pretty it familiar. Is, it is the tenth. Okay. Yeah, sounds around there. BJ yeah, so it's hands somewhere on the eleventh. So if you want to go to watch BJ throw some hands on the eleventh, uh, sure, maybe we'll see. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's so yeah, weird. So, so obviously Kurt and I, um, you know, split the the half season package. So it's like twenty games that we got, and uh, so it's like oh, okay, simple enough. We'll just pick ten games. We'll go two together, and then. I get five games that I can take whoever I want, and you get five games you can take whoever you want, and we just kind of split them up. Like we we got some of like the 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 top dog guys that we wanted to go see. So it's like uh, the Avalanche, Penguins, Red Wings, Bruins, Rangers, Flames, Lightning. So like your your perennial playoff teams, you know whatnot. Um, and then there were we had two games against the Predators two games against the Sharks and two game or yeah, two games against the Predators, two games against the Sharks. So we just each took one of those. Um, and then it was like, we had the wild and the Blackhawks. So we split that up and it was like the, um, like, like the, the ducks and the Kings. So it was like, you get West coast teams um, so I was like, cool. All right. Like split up pretty evenly, <laughs> but how it worked out. <laughs> so, so the first three games of the season, I'm just, I'm taking someone to the game myself. And then it's two of Kurt's games that he's just taken somebody. Then one of mine and then two more of Kurt's. So even though we split it and 10 of the 20 games we have, him and I are going to together. Our first game that we're going to together isn't until the middle of January. <laughs> so I'm like, like, we, I don't even know why we just worried about going to games together. It's like, we should just split this evenly, you know, insane. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so me and you are going to the Sharks game and it's the salute to military night. Cause that's right around. I don't know if that is, Veterans Day, I don't remember if Veterans Day is November 10th or if it's like the first Monday or something, or if it's always like the same day. Yeah, so it's always November 11th. That's what it is. So it's like the obviously they don't play on the 11th, so we get like the salute to military night. So, America. America, cool. Um, be ready to uh, sing you know the national anthem real loud hell yeah right, I'll, I'll leave that up to you you're the one with the pretty voice between the two of us and I'm proud to be an American where at least I know I'm free hell yeah <clears throat> cool just making sure got everything oh um we don't have to figure it out right now 
the other thing I put on there was letting the fans know what our recording plans for the off season are kind of going to be. Yeah, yeah, but that's a good topic next podcast. Yeah, so we'll so we'll have that. I feel like there is a strong possibility that at the very least we're probably going to shift to every other week for a bit, and then there might be a hiatus where we take some time off um, as we get to the holidays and whatnot. But we'll uh, because because I think yeah, because I think it's. So next Monday, I know for sure I won't be able to record because that that is Halloween. So I'm sure you will be playing dad and I'll be at the game Mm. anyway. Um, So it's possible that we record November 1st or you may just get us, you know, two weeks from now. But either way, the next time we record, we will give everyone a heads up with what our recording schedule looks like. So you know when to look for those new episodes that drop. Maybe it'll be season two. Who knows? Who knows? Probably not. It'll probably just be continue episodes, and we'll see how high we can get. See how high we can get. <laughs> yeah, I said what I said. <laughs> <laughs> but all right. Um, I think that does it. Go Phillies. Go, go Blues. Astros. Go Blues. Kyle Tucker, you know who we're rooting for, boy. <laughs> Kyle Tucker, we can root for in the regular season of 2023. Jordan Alvarez bangs dudes, and don't be mad. He didn't hit 60, but he bangs them, dude. dude he bangs, he bangs. I just don't want the Astros to win. <laughs> yeah, I'd be you a know. sad boy. I just get it, though. Win. I get it. You, it's Harper. I understand. The only chance yeah, I had of you rooting Harper? for the Phillies. Would have been like it? if they were playing the Padres. The Capital One somehow. Agile Engineering Team. Uh, Kyle Schwarber. Our lines of business. You know, That's how also is on the paycheck. hate list, man. Control to optimize payroll transaction flow and expedite direct deposits. I don't know where this is. Getting customers their paychecks up to two days sooner. That's tech. Oh, there, there was just a commercial plan. I was like, I don't know what tab it's coming from. <laughs> where's <laughs> the like, audio? I was like, where's this audio coming from? So if anyone heard it, sorry. I'm sure everyone right, will. for you. Oh, DMC history. <clears throat> yeah, maybe. I don't even really know what he was talking about. I wasn't listening. It was just noise, and it was confusing me. That was our first guest. <laughs> I guess it's not brought to you by Yeezys. <laughs> but, all right. So, yeah. Keep an eye out. We'll be back next week or two, for sure. We'll let you guys know. We'll get it done. Go Bills. Go Blues. Go Phils. All right. Till next time, stay cool. Peace. Bye.